0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Artbox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I meet up with Sarah Jameson. Sarah is a visual artist who mainly works in color pencil. Her subject matter focuses on the universal and prevalent impact of digital media in our culture. We talk about memes and their impact and her process. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Well, like I said, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. And maybe I should ask you some questions so because you can get back to work. (laughs) So how did you get your start in the visual arts? And like I said here in your origin story,
1: my origin story. So I'm originally from Orange County, Virginia, so about an hour and a half south of here, but it's a very different Virginia The Northern Virginian is certainly different than DC. And I always knew that I wanted to be an artist. There was really no questioning or thinking about another way forward. It was just always the trajectory I saw myself going. And my mom is very supportive. And so he said there was just no, no question, no thought, no other way. So I moved to DC in 2006 to go to the Corcoran College of Art and Design, which of course now is part of George Washington yeah, and something. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. court, <laughs> Something different entirely. But that's where I went, and I graduated with my bachelor's of fine arts in 2010, um, and I've been here ever since, just evolving, working on keeping my studio practice.
0: So, how, how did you feel when you, when your school kind of got morphed?
1: You know, it's interesting. I was actually working in the admissions office at the time, and so I was there through the transition. You know, you hate to throw a ton of shade. It's definitely <laughs> two different cultures. George Washington University is a very different entity than Corcoran, which was very small, specifically dedicated to visual arts only, no dance, no theater, nothing like that. And I just think both schools attract two different cohorts. I don't know what it's like now. You know, I'm not there, but I would not say it was a seamless transition. And I think that there's a lot of potential with. All things that could be possible with the power, the clout, the money, the resources yeah, g w yeah, right <laughs> that they offer you know to be the greatest whatever art school arts institution, arts college within the college that it could be, but you know, I do think it's a different student probably going now, a different focus, a different conversation, but it was it was chaotic, definitely that'd be the right word, I think for the emergent of the two schools.
0: Yeah, hopefully the dust will settle soon, like you said. So to kind of go back into your school days. Now I have the question here, could you briefly describe your style, but I kind Mm -hmm. of want to change it up just a little bit. Did you start developing or finding your style in school? Or was that something that you started developing before school?
1: I've always been most attracted to drawing. And that's been my primary practice, I would say throughout. But in school, there's so you get pulled in a lot of different directions and that's purposeful. You know, they want you doing ceramics and trying sculpture and just to be a well-rounded artist, but you never know how one thing informs the other or how you grow. So throughout school, you're doing a lot of different things. And that includes, for me, painting was maybe the other one, collage, doing those more. But by time I was in senior year, I would say it was primarily colored pencil work definitely different themes. That's something that has evolved more out of school. But of course, I think the difference between the window of 2006 to 2010, as it pertains to social media, digital media, having your iPhone is a wholly different world than we're in in 2020, in almost every way. You know, I I attended college and Facebook was sort of being born and MySpace was atrophied, you know.
0: It was going down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the the content was a lot different, but in terms of the technique, I would say more or less the same in heading in that direction.
0: Because when I look at your work, it, it, is, it is very beautiful. If you were to look at it at a quick glance, I wouldn't have thought it would have been pencil. And the thing is, is that is something that you develop over time. You just don't mm-hmm. do that overnight. Right. Do you like the feel? I mean, visually the feel of the pencil
1: mm-hmm.
0: over using like gouache or even spray paint for that matter?
1: You know, part of the appeal of pencil for me is probably the level of control mm. and the immediacy. You know, paint is such a process. And when you inevitably set it down to run an errand or do whatever you're going to do, You may have to remix the paint or you have to find a way to keep the color or you can't just take it anywhere. It's, you know, if I want to sit in front of the TV and watch Royal Rumble like I did last night and work (laughs) on this, it's much, much harder. So part of it is practicality, but part of it is wanting an extreme level of control and material. And um, for me, there's something very appealing about trying because now you know, I'm into mixed media to the point where it does have gouache elements. There's some marker, there's things like that. But I'm um, chasing the aesthetic of, you know, I'm hand making it. It's meant to be sort of meditative on these sort of fleeting things we do on our phone or how we consume things. But I want it to almost not look hand done in a way, you know, I want it to be quite sterile and have a certain removal from the fine art processes that have created it.
0: That's what kind of struck me is that you, there is enough of that, like you remove the human element out mm-hmm. of it because you could have been something that you done in Photoshop and then just right. got it plotted.
1: Right. Which is part of my process.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Dealing with your process. Sure. So you work with literally digital medium.
1: Yeah. To begin.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to throw the term out there, you know, analog. So then you use this digital medium, you turn it into an analog. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you, you convert basically, you know, from this digital, the analog kind of mm-hmm. realm, which is very interesting. And it is almost a, that's a statement in its own right, that we mm-hmm. could go down that rabbit hole if you like, well, heck, let's go down that yeah. rabbit hole. So what, what prompted you to go start from a digital medium, especially this day and age, you can just do it in digital, uh, in, in a program and then just, you know, plot it out and be done and work on the next project. What? What made you go, you know, I want to I want to work on this digitally, then I want to take it and make it a tangible thing to work on. What, what happened there?
1: A couple of different things. I mean, I think any artist can relate to you're just driven to create in, in whatever way that you created. And so there's no questioning within that, that it's you have to do it. It's what you do. It's how you express whatever ideas you have. You know, I think in tandem with liking the control of colored pencil. I don't like a lot of variables. I like to know what I'm creating and have a reference to draw from. So part of that is when I start with Photoshop to compose the drawings, I can play with it until I'm a thousand percent happy with it. Till you hit that knowing of this is it. This is the composition. It feels right. It's balanced. It checks whatever boxes you have. But I think it's also that desire to wear we exist so in these digital worlds, we consume top to bottom, you know, our whole day, our news or whatever, it's coming digitally and wanting to keep that firm foothold and in removing yourself and thinking about it and reflecting upon it and wanting a level of removal between whatever it is, whether it's Twitter outrage or you've suddenly realized you've been browsing for two hours on Instagram or what have you, you know, the idea is not necessarily to say it's good or it's bad. It's sort of to be like, to say this is, and here's how I reflect and examine and pull these images to recontextualize them, to sort of meditate on them, to give them this real presence in a way that sort of hopefully keeps an ode to that sort of sterile removed behind a screen origin for them.
0: Well, it sounds like it's a very meditative process for you as well to mm-hmm. do this conversion from digital to analog. That is some patience in its own right. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you do breathing exercises when you're doing
1: it? <laughs> no. Uh, other than to say, if you're doing something that needs a lot of precision, which there are certainly parts where you the lines are very fine, you can't breathe. I don't, at least if you're pulling a very, very straight line. But there's something so satisfying in that the cleanest line, the straightest line, the most perfect.
0: Oh, I, I can, I can relate it. to that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, speaking with the digital the analog kind of conversion mm-hmm. here, I want to call it your first series, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Ambiquitous. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk about why and what it is for, for people? And is it still ongoing as well?
1: Um, so what it is sort of talking about it on without seeing it right they're a series i believe there's currently 54 and they're small iphone screen sized drawings so when i began the series in very late 2016 towards the beginning of 2017 i think it was the iphone 6s plus so that was the new phone so that's the size they're at but it's ballpark every iphone screen size you know social media continues to sort of evolve and be ingrained but at the time you know I think it seemed so new in the way that, you know, the election was going on, all these leaks and hacks were happening, things that were ongoing prior and will continue, but it just was sort of in the news in a new way. And, you know, memes already existed, but these things were becoming so like your mom would know who Grumpy Cat was. It was very, I don't know. It was about that
0: point. yeah, Right. It
1: was about that time, I think, where it was just so, so truly ubiquitous, hence the name. And so wanting to think about these things as a visual language that we were all participating in. And so each piece was sort of meant to explore maybe a certain idea or maybe be something of a double entendre, but all of it is drawing from meme culture or digital culture more broadly, sort of the language we use and exploring the idea of like, even if these things are thought of as digital exhaust, or maybe they're stupid, or they don't matter, or that's the perception. You know, there's something that we're all unanimously agreeing on. There's a certain level of resonance. There's a certain, there's just something very relatable and meaningful and trying to delve into what that means. But having that, hopefully, element of humor and sort of fun and irreverence that exists within meme culture or it or I mean, it's a sunny view, I think, of all that stuff in some ways. But um, but that was the impetus and the uh, sort of overall meaning of the body of work. But each piece is fairly unique. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say, because like you, uh, one of them that stuck out and I kind of talked to you before we recorded was the uh, uh, doge or doggy. Um mm-hmm. For the longest time, I would call him Doggy. Through the internet universe of that, I was, you know, uh, corrected. No, it's it's Doge. Mm. Um, <laughs> the one I'm talking about is so that you have a Doggy. I think he he's at the top. And then you have him morphed with the grumpy cat at the bottom. Right. And I think it's called, what, Dog Cat? Cat, a, dog, cat dog, which is an
1: old 90s. Right. Cartoon,
0: and, yeah. and and so you you have all these kind of references that only, you know, maybe certain people can get. And that was one of them that had the light bulb go off of my head about a lot of with your work is like you're continuing and doing what they've done for and throughout art history by using symbols. Mm-hmm. And the people at that time in space would get them, you know. So it's, it's just imagine in a hundred years from now, when someone looks at your work and they see, you know, uh, the Pokemon ball. Uh, hat on on Trump and mm-hmm. and then you have I think it was Pikachu was
1: mm-hmm. it Pikachu mm-hmm. above him on his head
0: uh, yeah on his head so it's maybe those people may get that but only right. the scholars will but people looking at your art at some museum is gonna you know right. go I don't know what that is it just looks weird <laughs> and I
1: and I don't even think we have to be in the future necessarily you know I think it,
0: that's valid yeah
1: it it speaks to the people who maybe are accessing these things more so than others. You know, I think that there's a top layer where a lot of these things are identifiable. You don't have to be like meme scholar to know who Kim Kardashian is, to know, you know, about Pokemon Go, to know about Grumpy Cat. But there's levels within that, I think, the literacy of being on the internet. And so to that point, I think some maybe are, effectively communicate to different people, um, more so than others.
0: Right. It's gives it, you different reactions. Right, right, right. No, I'm pretty sure at this point, like you said, my mom would probably get a lot of those, which mm-hmm. is also very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, well, to kind of jump around on that, so this was like with your, your genuine fake, which I, I'm assuming that's a new series.
1: Yes, yeah. The pieces I'm working on now, which of working title is Genuine Fake, I think are an outgrowth of what I've been doing in that they touch digital culture for sure. Um, They're much less reliant or contingent on meme culture, or I guess pop culture, maybe more broadly, they're less immediately topical in that way. However, where I'm accessing that digital element is more of musing on sort of that uncanny valley of being sort of in this digital and non digital world. You know, having, I think, this certain uh, anxiety of thinking the best way to describe, you know, everything seems so immediate and all sort of opinions exist within the marketplace. Everything feels very pressing, everything has a reaction. So it's more accessing those ideas and feelings and experiences maybe the idea is are we existing in a simulation the idea and concept of how we access tragedy or tragic happenings or events within these digital spaces so it's i think more concept based in that sense of how it accesses digital media
0: well i really love it though uh you know, the, what's it called? Deep space with the, uh, <laughs> the, the layers of symbols going on with that right. one. And, uh, you know, cause you have the Voyager mm. uh, humans on there and you have uh, the, looks like the map that the Voyager is projected to go into. It's in space. But then you have something from uh it looks like windows 98 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> that says, what was it? Love.
1: Yeah, live, laugh, laugh love, love. love.
0: Yeah. And then it has like the quit
1: right. button that
0: you can click on there. Right. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Thank and you. that says a lot within one piece. And it's a piece that is a lot of people can get it. Like you said, it's, it's, it's not necessarily as much pop culture, but Mm -hmm. yet it is a lot of representation of symbolism, which I I love. Thank you. And my other favorite one is with uh, Atlas holding Mm -hmm. up the world, or in this case, an an iPhone that has a little iPhone grease bubble Mm -hmm. as representing the world. I I don't want to try to interpret that one, but that one, it seems like it is deep. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how did you come up with that? It just, that one really is. Um,
1: inspiration is so, I mean, it's it feels fickle. a little, yeah, it's yeah. fickle and it seems a little like, I don't know, trite to be like, it's everywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to some That's extent, true, it, it is. It true, is. Yeah. I've always been very enamored by archaeology and anthropology. So perhaps it's rooted there. But I think there's that art historical element going to art school particularly, you take those art history courses. And, oh, yes. You know, the master sculptors, and that that image of Atlas is, is, you know, a fairly, I don't know if ancient is the right word to apply to it, but quite an old sculpture. And you think of the myth of him shouldering this world for all eternity as the jump-off point. And when you think of how we are continually holding our phones, but we're sort of foisting this super unwieldy wild west of this digital world that we know where we're at, but we so don't. You know, how it evolves, the myriad of issues, problems, privacy, glory, good things, bad that come out of it. And so it was thinking of Atlas, sort of curse to hold the world and applying that to the modern context and how we are tethered to these devices cursed, or not, better or worse. I don't think technology is bad or good. There's It's both.
0: I guess it depends or on the day of the week for me. All right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it all depends. And putting those parallels there and in the background, there's a pink abstraction and it's actually three letter W's in oh. a font. Oh, Ray King, I want to say it's called, but it's free open source font. And it's a pixelated abstraction of old English font. So Again, kind of wanting to have this, you know, almost like opening a book on one side, the idea of humanity, the things we're interested in, how we create, the stories we tell, and then mirroring that in a contemporary context. And all of these drawings are sort of meant to aesthetically exist sort of in this cyberspacey looking realm. They have dark right, black backgrounds. Right. They're sort of meant to have that. So... I'm imagining them in some ways as illustrations of that, you know, these artifacts, these cultural ideas, these outgrowths of our digital world, how these things reflect these images that exist within pop culture, all of that coming together. So that is certainly that piece, which is called WWW. And I imagine them all in some way, kind of in that way as well.
0: I didn't realize that that was W's in the background. That
1: meant, I meant it to be fairly abstract. Um, well, I learned but... something
0: today.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they are they're W's, so it's also an old like worldwide web.
0: I like I said, I like that series, and I'm not going to stop you. Don't stop doing it. So <laughs> I won't. Uh, so kind of getting uh, back on track here. Um, how, how much does the context of the memes matter?
1: I find it matters quite a fit in some ways. You know, it's a really interesting, it's a series that I've set down for now, but one that I certainly continue to feel excited about and I think has opened a lot of inspiration doors for me. But it's so interesting. You know, I find it to be kind of divisive in the way that I'm speaking to a very specific audience who reads them very well, without the context of an artist talk or me there sort of going through every bit piece of it. And then there are maybe people who are really passionate about the internet and sort of see it as this weird exploitation of the memes. And it's like cringy and it's maybe like, I, I, I'm trying to think, I'm reaching for the right word of what it is, but it's interesting. You know, I think that that in the way that the work can be discussed and reviewed for sort of mass, I don't know if appreciation is the right word, but
0: well, what about accessibility, consumption, yeah. consumption
1: right? And it's something to think about. For me, it was and is, you know, if your intent is to share your work meaningfully with everyone, is it right is the wrong word, but how do you make it so that everyone can think about what you're communicating
0: the dialogue, right? right.
1: Correct. How, yeah. If if art should be a dialogue and you know be a mirror, be a impetus to think about something, to be a conversation. And if it's not, then you question, you know, then how does it function? Is that what you want? Is that your intent or is it not? And so for me, you know, I think that it's in some ways fine, but in some ways it's like it's not inclusive of of your whole audience. So, Hmm. you know. That's interesting. I mean, really. Yeah, truly. And I, I think about it a lot and discuss it a lot with my husband or artist friends or, you know, that question of like, does it matter if people don't, air quotes, get it? Yeah. You know, or should you feel like no one gets my art, you know, pretend (laughs) hair flipping. (laughs) There's layers of like what, you know, what, what intent and reception. I think it's a Mm. conversation anyone has about art, but in making this work about memes, it's one that I don't know. I fully realize what the conversation would be at every end of the spectrum. You know, angry people on Reddit and like people who maybe are coming to review it or engage with it and are hitting a barrier.
0: Well, I was going to say, not everyone's going to necessarily understand, but hopefully they're next to somebody who can tell them. Right.
1: And in some ways, I don't look at every artwork and say, like, aha, I know it's going on here. You know, like, I get it. So I think, like, is it important? I don't know. You know, you don't, not every artist, you need to get it. But
0: Right. Air quotes right, get it? Air, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Air quotes galore. Again, we're on radio, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a very interesting conversation and one that I have a lot with myself and one that I think I've been considering a lot in thinking about how I continue to evolve the work I'm creating, feel passionate and excited and saying exactly what I want to be saying and what I'm creating, but also considering how, The viewer and audience functions as a part of your work, and it does. Yeah, it's it's
0: like you'll hear, I know you have, I've heard it too. It's like, well, your work's not complete until someone views it. Right. On the end of that spectrum is like, you know, when an artist says, when you put your work out there, it's like releasing a child out into, you know, a hallway full of glass and shards (laughs) and it's going to get cut. It's going to get damaged. And, but yet you just wanted to survive. Right. That is definitely one of those kind of things that you can only have so much control.
1: Right. And it's a very valid critique because if people don't understand it, they ask, or if they understand it and they don't think it's important, they're like, you know, is it culture? Does it matter why? Yeah. You know, so, yeah.
0: And we kind of already touched around this already, so this will probably be a quick answer. Okay. How important is it to know the source of a meme?
1: You know, the source I find to be a little, hmm, depending, I think everything comes with an asterisk, a little less important to the ultimate source because I think memes get passed around all the time without a source. You know, I think but but then conversely, you have a meme like Peppy the Frog, which in the start of the series was a pretty innocuous like mm-hmm. sad into, feeling yeah. meme, but by the time the series is done, there's a whole political tie-in with that, but the source of it is it's someone's webcomic. So really it's like all these things that got projected onto it are completely outside of what it actually is yeah and who actually created it someone's art someone's art that gets reblogged without you know credit to that person all the time you know so i that think has there's happened to me yeah and it happens a lot
0: yeah
1: to everyone or yeah. people whose artwork gets you know merchandise on a shirt or something you know? yeah. yeah you know or i've been following about that yeah, yeah small creators who get their like pins ripped off you know there's a whole rabbit hole we could go down there, but
0: oh yeah, yeah. we could. Um but, <laughs> but we wouldn't be able to cram that into no, a not at all. show.
1: Um but but dialing <laughs> it way back. it it, <laughs> it can matter, but for the most part, what the genesis of a meme is is less important than sort of its functional usage within whatever platform it's being passed around on, I think.
0: Yeah, and and the thing is is that I really want to go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> like but usage. we but we'll we'll have to. Yeah. Uh, so um, so then from your perspective, then,
1: right? Uh,
0: what is loss and gain from these proliferation of these memes?
1: I mean, I guess that's fairly subjective. I would think. Yes, I right. would agree with that. Right. It would be
0: subjective. Yes.
1: I guess my standpoint on using them is their peak of appeal is. Perhaps once, maybe twice, you know, before they're sort of very old news. To me, I think they speak to a moment in time, in culture. They're a language, they're a symbol. So I guess they're just sort of a thing, they're a moment in time, they're an earmark, they're a moment, they're an interest a mini era and i don't know if in 2050 we step back and we can mark it by like (laughs) the era of doge to the era of the yodeling cowboy kid and then the next one begins with like i don't know i mean well nowadays
0: the baby yoda right exactly
1: that one's i'm
0: already tired of that
1: one or i'm already tired of the like what is it called? Is it like the Dolly Parton where it's like me on LinkedIn? Yeah. And, I just Tumblr, started, but, yeah. Yeah, and it's, ah,
0: yeah, that was like the things. kind of obscure meme where it's like, um, <laughs> well, how did it go? It was the one where it's like, uh, what people think what I do for a living. Or oh, what, like I what I really do. do. Yeah.
1: yeah. Those, those are the ones that kind of resurface a bit more as opposed to something that's quite specific. Yeah. But what I, I guess what I find most interesting is how these things Again, mark us in time, but how they evolve art and culture. When you think of someone like Lil Nas X, he's someone who has evolved right out of this sort yeah, of meme good- and digital supremacy and a yeehaw challenge that I I might, hopefully I've got my information right is like, as I'm talking about this as if I'm meme.
0: Well, you can always go to uh, knowyourmemes.com.
1: Hey, that is a good site. If it you want your meme Wikipedia, that would be it. Yep. But I think that there was like a Yeehaw TikTok challenge. There's tons of these things. But, you know, it's something as silly as that that ultimately sends this dude to a successful career, one of the longest sustaining hits. You know, I think these things that we often think are silly or don't take seriously or here's you and I like totally like pff, what they think I do, what I really do. Yeah. But maybe someone turns that into a whole music career is signed to a label, you know. I think yeah, that they're these odd, maybe not odd. I don't know that they're one offs. I think that they're little weird cultural seeds that bear fruit in ways that who knows. Yeah.
0: Well, and if they do, that means they would be a very rich person.
1: Yeah, I wish that was my <laughs> old down road.
0: Was you say how you make your million right. bucks in life?
1: Right, but you just never know. I just think it's this again, this communal. Well, it is. And and
0: to speak of communal, it's also uh, a shared experience. Mm Because some of these memes, you may recall the meme with uh, Keanu Reeves when he's eating alone on a bench. Sad Keanu. (laughs) Yes. Which then touched off all these other memes were like, uh, which you have one with Jordan crying. Mm -hmm. So it's at one point in time, it's like everyone A can relate to sitting on a bench, eating alone Mm -hmm. and, and being sad. But yet everyone then gained a shared experience by witnessing i.e. the picture of him doing mm-hmm. that and then thus a conversation started to develop through that using that image turning it into a symbol mm-hmm. and then sort of using it to represent you know oh i'm just having a i'm having a bad day
1: it's by, really just by
0: posting that fascinating image, it is
1: truly and that's what i think it's a little freaky truly yeah yeah it, it it's sort of hive mindy that's what I mean, you know, to say everyone, it's so resonant, everyone agrees, but then there's these sort of voyeuristic elements. You can think, speaking of people crying or being lonely, there's a piece I have where it's Lindsay Lohan crying, Lil Mama crying, Kim Kardashian crying, Selena Gomez crying. They're all sort oh, of memes. Ooh, mama.
0: Okay, I Lil Mama. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> been a minute since she's put out, I don't, yeah. a, a big hit at least, you know, and there's something sort of voyeuristic and Awful about what you might understand. You're getting your picture taken of you crying. So you're assuming it's, you know, a a crisis moment, if not a very sad moment, and it's immortalized and it's funny and it's passed around and it's clipped and it's blogged and it means something. It's a symbol. And whether it's, you know, Ultimately, you're crying over an earring lost in the ocean like Kim Kardashian. And it's something that's relatively vapid or it's like you're going to court and you're Lindsay Lohan. It's still like, gosh, you know, it's someone's sort of pain that you're identifying with. But you're also making this sort of commercial.
0: Yeah. And. Not only making it kind of a commercialized and accepted thing, but also uh, finding uh, humor within it.
1: Right. And so it, I don't know, to me, all of this is something so telling about what's ultimately the human condition. And that's one of the through lines I think of all my work where I don't think this is silly. I don't think this is stupid. I think if aliens landed tomorrow, I wouldn't send them to the Met. I'd be like, pop open your internet and just. Get on there and see, you know how awful and wonderful and great and tragic and scary and odd and gross and humiliating and it's all this enormous, but also this microcosm of we do feel, think, right, hurt, celebrate, learn.
0: I actually, if aliens were to touch down today or tomorrow, um, I would actually tell them. Fix my healthcare system.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we have a list.
0: Yeah, mine, start that's on, on the top internet, line, but
1: yeah. once you're done, just scrolling. Oh, no, they can end on
0: the internet because they probably already know what's on the internet. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's it's, true. All that, yeah. Maybe they invented there. it.
0: <laughs> no, we don't want to go down. Yeah. I don't want to get the list of people coming rabbit you
1: holes. Yeah, yeah, reptoids are gonna be big, big <laughs> mad with this.
0: <laughs> we did talk about this at the top of the interview. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a long question, so it's the uh, here it is. So the act of something that's digital to analog. Mm-hmm. Is that an exercise intended more for a viewer mm. to slow down and understand today's society and world? Or is that a practice more for you to understand society and the world around you?
1: Both, I would say. You know, it's for me to really muse on these ideas. And for me, there's something beautiful and poetic in taking time and labor over something that's fairly fleeting and, again, sort of maybe not so not viewed as something so serious and then clipping and drawing these parts and putting them together and laying it out and being intentional with it and really trying to elevate these things that perhaps are not associated with sort of art historical tradition or as part of this narrative of the human trajectory and taking that and giving it time and love and a practice. So it is for me, but I do hope that that's reflected for the viewer. You know, I don't think necessarily I want to be the person that's like, you need, you know, scolding finger to be thinking about this internet and like what it does to you and you and you, because, you know, my stance is not again, positive or negative. I hope that it's just explorative, but I do hope that these things read, that it is sort of this referential sterility these pieces that are pulled and recontextualized and that there is a story within that and there's a meaning within giving these things great care in an effort to muse on them and be reflective about them and so i hope that it for the viewer is something they can look at and access about the work
0: uh, and i also want to say that i felt Well, viewing your work as the viewer. Mm -hmm. It's also, I feel like with a lot of the new work and some of your old work is it's you're holding up a mirror of reflection. Mm. And I thought of it in two definitions of reflection of like a reflection of a mirror and a reflection upon uh, pondering and thinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I kind of pretty much said that. And I... Well, yeah. It, I you just said it a lot better hear, than I love to hear
1: you know that your intent is how it's viewed. You know that for an artist, that's yeah, well, yeah.
0: It's like a plus. Yeah, yeah. I always I, I like a lot of the work. I view it through that kind of your work. I approach it that way, mm-hmm. and especially with the new series. That that's just um, that's really what made me think. Is like you're now taking the viewer, some of the people who know or are already familiar with your work, mm-hmm. and you're starting to take them down on a new path, mm-hmm. and to make them really go down a path and really start reflection and pondering more. Mm. And I personally like that. Thank you. Because I I do think that it helps because this day and age, we all talk about it. You know, people look at artwork for 10 seconds or less. Right. I think that you may have beyond to something here because your work is approachable on digital and it's also analog. And so it should make people kind of, if they're in a hurry, they'll see it they might get the, the whole meme series and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with your, your new stuff, it's like, it's going to make people want to slow down. And I hope you keep doing that.
1: Thank you. Because I um, do
0: intend to. <laughs> uh, dude, I... <laughs> <laughs> so um, kind of moving on here, my new favorite question okay. that we talked about it earlier. If anything can be called art, mm. air quotes again, what would be the point and or value of fulfilling that label?
1: And that's what we talked earlier before we got started, what sort of a tricky and unwielding question that can be. And I'm a big believer in like, if it's, it's art, if it's fulfilling for you and you do it and you're called to do it, you know, it's all valid and all art is art. And I don't believe in poo-pooing on, you know, anyone's creative process and what's meaningful to them. And what I find in my own walk is that beauty really is in the eye of the beholder you know, and whether art is successful or not is a sliding scale of, I think, that magic of the participation of the viewer. But that person who has a viewer has the same aesthetic value and interest and curiosity and engagement with yours. And it's like a Venn diagram that needs to overlap mm-hmm. to have this, you know, I think it's sort of like what calls people to love or appreciate or buy art or be engaged with it in a certain Correct. way. And so it's this total kismet effect, I think. But I think that creation is something to a degree. Again, like I said, it's it's all art. In some essence, I think all of humanity is called to do it. Creating memes is its own art. That's true. That is. Yeah. I think. So I don't know. For me, validity is like, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who look at what I do or vice versa, where you're like, ah, oh, it's art. But I don't quite understand it or it's not my cup of tea or whatever. And I think that that's just as much a part of the the process of, being an artist, making art, appreciating art, talking about art. I don't know if that quite accesses the question, but it is no, such actually, a tricky. No, actually, that answered
0: the question in your way. That, that right.
1: Is, it's a, such a, it's unwieldy.
0: Well, and that's kind of the point. It, yeah. it's a, you're going to arm wrestle a question that you may win or lose. Right. Or, or draw. Right. Because some people say, well, it's art if I say it is. Or some will say that it's art if it's in a particular uh, environment, like a gallery. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I don't know if I can answer that question with justice or Augusto either, right. to be honest, because like you said, it's part of a practice. It's mm-hmm. part of um, – it's a dialogue mm-hmm. like we have been talking about already because, you know, what makes it art if people are talking about it? Okay, well, then does that make it art? Does that right. give it value? Or so, enough
1: of people agree it's art. Right. Well, you know, and that exactly. is again, kind of kismet when you think of yeah. the greats or – however you choose to think of it.
0: But like the Venn diagram is a great example.
1: Right, of of enough people have that value set or maybe you were the first to do it or maybe it was, you know, a new technique or whatever. You know, is there a reason we know one name over the other?
0: Fair enough. In art,
1: it's luck, it's circumstance, it's culture, it's, you know, the same process that creates viral anything is the same process that creates what you could or might consider a successful art, but it ultimately, like, what is the meaning of
0: that? Right, what's the concept and meaning of it? Yeah, that's valid. Well, both of us just uh, dived into some deep philosophy (laughs) there. So let's, let's kind of move on to the more fun question. Okay. What advice would you give to your past self or to other artists?
1: To my past self? I guess it would be... this one's such a hard question too, a matter of perspective. You know, I think that, I mean, part of it is having a relatively limited exposure to art or, you know, the value system of what was successful art, maybe in high school or growing up. And anywhere really is sort of how well-rendered it is versus concepts or ideas or a million other ways you can value anything, art. But perspective within everything, takes it's time everything it's so hard and there's so many artists creating work there's a lot of like talking again what makes good art beauty's in the eye of the beholder how juried processes work what someone yeah. who's during a show might think is interesting or how you curate something there's so many variables and really like what it boils down to I think and what i personally ascribe to is just doing the work hmm creating, being consistent, having your practice, taking it seriously, and knowing that it's sort of an overtime thing. But that's like with anything, there's no few people experience anything overnight. And it's an evolving, growing as you learn, as you become influenced, as you meet different people, as you know galleries or galleries, or as you guess it's kind of how do i sum it up into a word it's really just sort of process and being engaged and taking your practice seriously and being taking yourself as seriously as a business as you would imagine that something that's maybe not art would you know being your advocate to young artists i think social media is your biggest free tool you'd be preaching to the choir of youths to be like you know Be on the internet but it's it's so true you know in a world where you can be anywhere and everywhere you can engage with you were speaking about being at Art Basel yep you don't have to be there necessarily to be there you can engage with people tagging things you know and and not experience it but you're there in the algorithmic soup of You know, finding people or being inspired by their work or commenting or finding connections or maybe the right words engagement. I don't know. The advice you give to yourself, yeah, Yeah. is and for others is just don't be scared to engage. To to engage and be in it wholeheartedly and do as much legwork as you possibly can in creating the work and advocating for yourself and putting it out there into the world and be seen to be taking yourself seriously. I think sometimes, and another thing we were talking about before the mics went on is, you know, being a serious artist and not poo-pooing it and not acting like it's a crazy dream and treating it with the same seriousness that we would treat the dream of being a doctor or mechanic, whatever or mechanic. Yeah. Take your pick, you know, and, and coming from that standpoint of standing in, your career or your passion.
0: Yeah, just believe in that passion.
1: Right, definitely, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, the other one is like, is there anything you wanted to go back to and expand on, same kind of thing, you know? It's like, because you have your other tab in your website that uh, just has other work that you've done, mm-hmm. if you wanted to talk about that real quick or, or anything like that.
1: Um, you know, that stuff is kind of some of it I did. You know, maybe it's like a specific show, like a themed show that I've done with Spoke Art a few times. And some of those pieces are quite like any time when you're jumping between like the ubiquitous series to what I'm creating now. You have an idea, but at least for my process, it's almost like you're chiseling it out. And some of those pieces are the in-between of like things that I've made and I like, but they don't belong necessarily in in one box or the other. Right. Right. So, So those are almost that like the first baby steps of where I am. I'm here. I know what I'm doing. So that actually yeah.
0: should be the site the, on your website to go look at to see where you're heading in the future.
1: It could be.
0: Like I said, It could be.
1: Could be. Definitely for now I've sort of landed and I know I'm creating these images, genuine fake and sort of what scale and compositionally the balance, how I want them to feel and express. But if and when I feel like I'm evolving from there, yeah, I feel like I always do probably two to three drawings in between a series as I'm finding well, I was an say, orientation. Kind of
0: have to in a way. Yeah. So I mean that that makes sense because sometimes, like you said, you just need to get the steam off and sure. you just need to get it out. And then other times you're like, you know, you have something in mind that right. would work great for this one thing. So I, I get that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just seeing how it actually feels and functions.
0: Well, thank you again. Thank you. I'm thank honored you again for the honor. I'm honored actually. <laughs> that was that was honest, and, and I loved it. Thank you very much. Oh,
1: thank you, thank you.
0: I would like to thank Sarah for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to learn more about Sarah, you can go to her website at sarah-jameson.com. You can also go to her Instagram page at sarah jane jameson. To hear past episodes and this episode go to Artbox's website at artboxdnv.com. Until next time, thank you for listening.